Behold the voice of God. For those of you who don't know me officially, my name is Amanda Waller. And I am Aaron Moss, your host of Task Force X. What, are we some kind of suicide squad? Well, yeah, that and... Checkmate. Task Force X is a podcast that tells the stories of John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kupperberg's Checkmate from the late 80s, early 90s. I want to build a team of some bad people who can do some good. And that's what Suicide Squad is. While Checkmate is a team of good people doing some good. My mission here is to chronicle each and every title in all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during that era. We're the U.S. government. <laughs> You're going to start a blog and expose us? Well, a blog and a headcast, Amanda. Those scumbags are trying to screw me. Not at all, Amanda. Just trying to help everyone else discover the joy of the Suicide Squad and Checkmate. Anywho, hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them. Oh, so many years ago. Mother... That's enough of that, Amanda. Let's go ahead and start the show. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Remember, I'm watching. I see everything. I know it's been a while, but I am back. Task Force X returns, and we're going to finish off the last two issues of the Deadshot miniseries. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, this is Deadshot issue number three. Came out winter of 1988. The on-sale date was actually September the 20th of 1988. A little real-world perspective for me. I actually was in my just started my first year of college. I say first year, but only year of college uh, around that time. Uh, the cover price was $1. Editor was Robert Greenberger. Title of this story was called Victims. Written by John Ostinger and his wife Kim Yell. Artist, of course, was Luke McDonald. Letterer, Timothy Harkins. Colorist, as usual, Juliana Ferretter. The cover was done by Luke McDonald. And this was reprinted in Deadshot Beginnings, the trade paperback. I'm going to have to pick that up. I've got the individual issues, but I'm going to have to get the trade paperback. Anyways, the synopsis, and this comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Just got a bit too busy to do it and too lazy. <laughs> Deadshot tracks down the men who kidnapped his son. First, he encounters a trap set by the men which involves a sniper named Panther. After killing the sniper, Deadshot finds the location where Eddie is being held. While he kills the man holding the boy, one of the kidnappers gets away with Eddie. The one remaining kidnapper, Wes Anselm, accidentally kills the boy. Floyd arrives too late to save him. He executes Wes, then vows to go after the person responsible for the kidnapping. Floyd's own mother. Dun dun dun! And now for my thoughts on this issue. As usual, we'll start with the cover. Again, this is the same design and layout as the other covers. It's got Deadshot, the name of that uh, issue, Secrets. Or at least their cover title for it. Uh, it's got the big number three. And inside of that, we see a picture of Deadshot leaping in a building, uh, shooting at people, people looking up amazed at Deadshot. And then in front of that, we have a foreground shot of Deadshot in front of the number three, crouched down, ready to shoots him it looks like he's holding his arm like he's already shoots him with his wrist magnum um the last covers i know some of them have been good some been mixed uh, this is one of the good covers both the the interior number three picture and the dead shot drawing in the foreground are both uh, a good job uh, i don't have any complaints with either one of these the images again i'm separating them as the, the foreground image and then the actual number three image 
they're both good images. Um, I'll have to pay attention as I go through this. I'm not sure if this is an actual image from inside or if it's drawn for the cover. But I do enjoy this cover. In fact, good or bad, I thought, I think I may have said it before, it's been a while. I will say it again if I haven't, or if I have. Uh, all of these covers, good or bad, are interesting covers and they're memorable covers. When I think about the Deadshots miniseries, that's one thing that comes to mind. Is one that uncovers a bit of Floyd's background, and for another is these covers with the the large number one, two, three, four, for each issue, and then there's an inside image, and then Floyd on the outside of the, the image. So again, I like these covers; uh, they're all very nice overall. I mean, they've got some got their weaker moments, and others I've talked about, uh, but for this issue three, it's a good cover. Uh, we move on to the first page of the story, uh, which is. The title of the actual story is called Victims. Here we've got a, a face shot of Deadshot. And going down the right side of his face, we have uh, sniper scope images. One of them is lined up with the scope on his eye, which is really nice. And in here we see Pantha, uh, Eddie, uh, I think his name was Eddie. Wes, and I believe it's the lawyer, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to remember as I go through this. And then the bottom corner of the picture, we see uh, Floyd's son uh, sitting there, kind of scared looking. Again, a very nice page. Uh, like I said, Luke McDonald on regular superhero works, not fantastic in my opinion, but on the Suicide Squad and related podcast, uh, such as. The Deadshot, I think Luke McDonald does a fantastic job. Uh, he, he, I don't know, I just I, I like Luke McDonald's work, work on here. And a slight correction, I have a page down a little bit. At, I said there was four, there's actually five. The fifth uh, scope is at the top of the page behind the word victims, and you can't quite see who's in that one. So, But again, we got our credits on this page. We've got a little quote from Dzowski, the brothers Karmovic. I'm going to read that. It says, Listen, if all have to suffer so as to buy eternal harmony by their suffering, what have the children to do with it? Tell me, please, if the suffering of children go to make up the sum of suffering, which is necessary for the purchase of truth, then I say beforehand that the entire truth is not worth such price. Which kind of relates, again, as they should, to the issue at hand. Uh, it's about children suffering... And in this story, we only have one child in this story. And as I talked about in the synopsis, uh, he does suffer. And as we go into the story itself, uh, we start out with uh, Maureen Hers, as I've talked about, Eddie's psychiatrist from Bel Rev. She's at a house knocking on the door. And basically, we find out she's talking to uh, Genevieve. Genevieve? Yeah, Genevieve Pitt Lawton, which is Floyd's mom. And she tells her, well, she wants to talk to her. She's Floyd's therapist. And Ms. Lawton tells her that she had no desire to see her for her to get off her property. Uh, I like this uh, on the top of page three when she's talking to uh, Maureen. She's like, I haven't heard from my son in almost 20 years, young lady. He knows where I live. When he shows some concern for me, I will show for some for him. Good night. And they don't show up, but we can assume that she slams the door on her. And she goes out to the police car. Like, Damn it to hell. And the sheriff's like, Told you she's serious about her privacy. Get in the car for you get the roof. Because Marine slammed the, her hand on the roof, slammed the car door. 
And uh, I like the little dialogue between the sheriff and uh, Marine here. She's like, that old bat, no wonder Floyd screwed up as he is. And the sheriff's like, that old bat, nice clinical expression. And Marine's like, let's say it's an observation crouched in layman's terms. And the sheriff replies back, he's like, I'm not a therapist, Marine, but cops and shrinks have to balance their personal feelings and their professional objectivity. And again, she talks to the sheriff about basically what we talked about in the first issue, how her boss at Bell Rev took her off the case because she was being very professional. So in the first couple panels here, we're getting the gist of the story a little bit of time that Marine is looking into Floyd, got too personal, so her boss kicked her off the case. And uh, the sheriff, we see at the bottom of page four, we see a close-up of the sheriff's hand as he's trying to put it on top of hers. And so, you know, the sheriff's asking her, you know, what's her state? What's her stake in Deadshot? He's like, because I like to stake a claim of my own. And she says while she likes him, she is a little more involved with Floyd than just uh, professional. And then she goes on to tell us a little story about uh, her sister Jenny, who committed suicide eight years ago. And that is kind of why she's taking such a personal investment in Floyd and his, his survival, if you will. And the sheriff tells her that uh, he might know something can help her. Uh, he, as he says here, it's time the truth came out. I like the uh, interpersonal relationship between the sheriff and Marine here. Uh, again, he's you know this sheriff in a small little town. She's a psychiatrist from uh, I don't know where she's from exactly. I know she's working in Louisiana, the swamps there in Bel Rev, but. Uh, I like the interpersonal interplay that the back and forth that these two have. And I like the fact that, you know, even though she's kind of turned him down, that she, you know, she's kind of got her hands for right now, he still wants to help her, and he thinks that the information, the, the truth about what happened all those years ago comes out. And then we have a page where Danny sends his brother Wes and little Eddie off uh, to safety, in quotes. And I like this, as they're leaving... He grabs his brother and tells him, keep your mitts off the kid. If the kid's old man finds us, we'll put our necks in it. And Wes is like, well, that's why we left Panther behind, isn't it? To deal with Deadshot? And Danny's like, and suppose Panther isn't the hotshot sniper he says he is, Wes, huh? Just keep your hands off. And I think, again, this is a nice segue because the next page shows Deadshot pulling up to the Foreman Brothers warehouse. So again, I like the fact that they're talking about and then the next thing we see Deadshot getting ready to confront Panther. And his Deadshot's still around and there's another issue to the story. We can assume that Panther doesn't take Deadshot out. So I'm not spoiling anything here, I don't think. Especially since I've already done the uh, synopsis on this issue. But yeah, Panther doesn't take out Deadshot. And I think part of the problem is is that I'm assuming it's Panther has set up sort of a, a mini Bond-esque trap for Deadshot. Uh, Deadshot comes into the room. Panther's up on a, uh, a stairway. Not a stairway, but a, uh, a gantry or whatever. He's got a little button star tape recorder. He plays a tape that's sitting on a chair. And it says, uh, you try to recapture innocence in the form of a child. But the innocent eludes you, for the child is gone. Fodor and Sons, out beyond where the metal bird's nest is where he rests. But 
If he waits too long with Uncle Wes, he may lose innocence in life. Run, 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 and rescue your innocence. So instead of taking Floyd out right out from the bat, he plays his little tape, which not only gives Deadshot time to think about his options, and as we're going to find out, win this fight, he lets Floyd know where uh, Little Eddie's at. So I believe the only reason he would do this is because he believes his own hype and he thinks he's as, as good as he is. Uh, Floyd immediately turns, shoots out the fuse box, which plunges the place into darkness. Then we see through Panther's uh, telescopic scope or whatever, and he's looking at some boxes, the exit door, and then he's back at the chair where Deadshot has his own gun pointed at, his wrist magnums pointed at Panther. He shoots Panther, Panther falls over the Gatling, falls to the ground, and as Panther's dying, he's like, Ignore door, you remain to pursue me instead. Most bitter death. If failed to rescue child, why? If Floyd's like, I'm leaving a message of my own. Anyone who tries getting through me is anyone who tries getting to me through my kid is gonna die. Blam. So that's why he was willing to give out the location where little Eddie's at, because he was hoping Floyd would hear that. Immediately rush out the door to go to save his kid. And as he did so, Panther would shoot him in the back. But his plan didn't work as Floyd uh, hung around and took out the sniper first. The question at this point is, does Floyd not care as much about his son and he's just trying to rescue him for appearance's sake? Or is he just that smart? He figured out the plan and figured to take out this, this goon first. Uh, we may never know the answer to that one. But it's, it's kind of something makes you think. And then on the next page, page 11, uh, basically here we get these guys talking. We get Danny talking about how they should have heard from Pantha, so that means Pantha's probably dead. And then we get the scene from the cover. We have Floyd jumping in the window, shooting at these goons, killing them. And Wes is loading Eddie in the car, and Eddie's trying to get away, so Wes slaps him in the head, throws him in the car. I'm sorry, little boy. I didn't want to hurt you. We'll be safe now. You'll see. Be a good boy. Everything will be okay. Yeah, I'm still using that creepy voice because uh, Wes is a very creepy guy. And reading this again, I've got to make a slight correction to my uh, comments earlier. I guess Danny wasn't sending Wes away earlier. He was just telling him to keep his hands off the kid. I, the way he said that, I thought he was, gonna, he was trying to send his brother away. But that's why here when Deadshot shows up, now he's saying he's brother away with the kid, so Deadshot doesn't get to him. Uh, so Deadshot, like, his little battle here on this page 13. He takes out all these guys, and he walks up to Danny. Where's my son? With my brother. My brother Wes. You hear about my brother Wes? You know what he does with little boys? And Floyd's like, yes, where's your brother going? Go to hell, I'm dead anyway. Wouldn't tell you if I knew. And Floyd's like, don't. Bam. And then the bottom half of this page is a shot of Floyd with a, uh, a cityscape behind him. And it looks like more like a surprint. I picked up that word from the Who's Who podcast. They're always referring to that. The background's just a, lot, a shade of blue in the background. And it says, uh, someone will know and someone will tell me. So again, I, I thought... I don't know, I was going to say I thought Danny was a nicer guy than that. I don't know if I got that far because he, he is a goon. 
He is willing to kidnap kids. His brother's messed up in the head and likes little boys. But I, I figured before reading this story that if it came down to it, Danny would have told him where Wes is at to protect the little boy. But since he's dying anyways, he hears what the heck and tells Deadshot to stick it. And Deadshot, being, not being the most patient of guys, uh, blows him away. He figured he'll get these answers elsewhere. So again, it's a very nice this little battle here between Deadshot and all these goons and Danny. I, I do like, even though the fact that you know he's not helping Deadshot out, I do like Danny's defiance here. Even at the very end, he's like, I'm dying anyway. I wouldn't tell you if I knew. So Deadshot just uh, pet him out of his misery, as it were, just blam. And it's a very nice panel here. Like I say, it's uh, on top of page uh, 14 above the, the the serpent one I was just talking about. We're below the distance. We see Deadshot just looking down at Danny as he blows a, puts a bolt in the back of his head. It's a very nice little scene there. I like that. And then we carry on where uh, Marine is talking with a Mr. Bartholomew who is the Lawton's gardener. And we get some more backstory on Ed and his brother Floyd. Uh, again, Ed was the, the golden boy. Everyone loved him. And Marine's like, well, did Floyd resent his brother? And Mr. Bartholomew was all, you weren't listening. I said everyone dotted on Master Edward. Master Floyd, most of all. So again, from this conversation, we're getting that uh, even Floyd loved his brother. Also, we find out that there's rumors that Mrs. Lawton is the one that hired the person that shot her husband and killed her son. Again, he's not confirming anything. He doesn't have any proof. But he says she's capable of doing it. So, uh, basically this scene here with uh, Marine and Bartholomew is basically telling us that the entire family's kind of rotten. He says he doesn't like any of the family. Only reason he works for him is because he's handsomely paid for. He paid, gets paid very well to be their gardener. So, all of which just, uh, I want to say confirms that's not the right word strengthens Marine's resolve to get a hold and talk with the ex, I guess she still is, Mrs. Lawton. And then after that little scene, we get cover page 18, where we find Wes uh, sitting there straddling young Eddie. He's saying, stop it, stop messing around. You're not dead, you're not dead. And so apparently, uh, at some point, he accidentally killed little Eddie. And so he's upset that his brother's going to be mad at him. But as we find out in just a second, he's got bigger problems, door from crashing in. And here at the bottom of page 18, there's no backgrounds on it. It's just a picture of Deadshot. And we're getting it from, I'm assuming, Wes's point of view. We're looking up at Deadshot. Uh, just a blue background behind Deadshot with like a white explosive, I want to describe it, white background right behind uh, Floyd. I love this image here. His face is, is really darkened because of the shadows. Because, you know, we're looking up at him. There's more shadows up on his, his chest and head area as it would be since we're looking up at him. I don't know what it is. This, this very bottom panel here, I mean, the entire book's great art for what it is. Again, it's not your four-color superhero art that I, I really love. But for Deadshot and the Suicide Squad, I think this art in this book is fantastic. I say it every month, and there's a reason for that. I think Luke McDonald, 
he, he again for what it for what it is, like I say I don't think he's great artist for the Justice League and Superman and comics like that. But for these darker, in quotes, more realistic, more humanistic stories like this, I, I think Luke does a fantastic job at what he does. As I'm trying to say, this panel here on, on the bottom page 18, I think it's fantastic. We got Deadshot just standing right over Wes. And uh, then we get to the next page, we see little Eddie laying in the bed, dead. Well, I say bed, it's just a mattress on the floor. Wes crawling to the window. Deadshot's like, your name Wes? Yes. You killed this kid? No, it was, uh, it was the other guys. They came in here and, uh, and again, the way he's stumbling over, you can tell he's lying. Deadshot just shoots him in the knee. No, no, my brother's a bad guy. I didn't, I didn't. And Deadshot just shoots him again. Maybe in the arm. It's hard to tell. It's all, here on the bottom page, all, page 19, uh, it's in shadow. You see the wind through the window. We see Floyd's arm, his hand with his uh, wrist magnum. And we see Wes's head. And I'm thinking maybe it's his shoulder right there. It's hard to say. And then we go to the next, in, next page. And he's like, stop. I didn't, I did, I did. I didn't even mean to kill him. He was a nice little boy. I liked him. Was trying, just trying to be nice with a little. Let me see, he was just trying to be nice with a little. And Deadshot shoots me again. Again, not in the head or anything. Not kills him because he's still sitting there. Danny, where are you? Help me. You promised mom you'd help protect me. And Floyd's like, Your brother's dead. Blam. Not my fault. So he's, he's taking it a while. Let me see, let me take a quick count real quick. Shoots me in the knee, maybe the arm. Somewhere else we can't quite decide. So that's three, four, five. Shoots him five times for actually, well, four times before he actually kills him. So again, the pages here, 18 through 21. He's questioning Wes, shooting him every time. And I uh, like here at the top of page 21, Wes is like, I'm sick, I need help. And Floyd's like, you need a grave. Blam! And that's when he kills him. Shoots him in the head when you see. And again, I like I like the layout on this. A lot of the scenes we're seeing the outside of the building. And we hear the voices coming from there. And then when he goes to shoot him, whether it's in the head or the arm where we're shooting him at. We get like a close-up of a window. So it's supposed to crawl next to the window. And so it's all, it's all in shadows. So we're, we're seeing Deadshot just torture this guy basically shooting him bits by bits before he finally blows his head out off but it's not a bloody scene i mean i don't know if this was if this was ostinger's and or yell's idea or if this was uh luke mcdonald's idea to draw it this way but i think it came out very nice again it's i, I would see this in a an action movie today i could see this scene happening playing out just like this and again, the way it's played out, it's not its not a bloody scene. It's not very graphic. Uh, you get it in shadows. You get the outside of the building. So I think they, they, whoever the idea this was to lay this scene out like this, I thought they did a magnificent job at it. And then we end, again, we see Floyd with his wrist magnum smoking, standing over Wes. There's, not, there, there's some blood, but it's black. Again, Comics Code Authority, I'm assuming. Wes just laying there dead. And Floyd's like, 
not enough. It's not enough. They all gotta die. Every single stinking one who had a hand in this. Gonna kill every last one, especially the slut who started it all. You hear it? Ma, I'm coming home, Ma. The conclusion, a stride a grave. And again, so this last uh, last panel here on page 21, the last two panels, Floyd's looking down, he's pulling his mask off. And this, this last panel here on page 22, Floyd's got his mask off, the wrist magnum still smoking to the close-up of his head, and you can hear he's screaming, Ma, I'm coming home, Ma. It's just a great ending to this comic, to this third issue. It's the uh, final chapter before we get to the conclusion of it. Again, as I've said throughout this entire book, I, I love Luke McDonald's artwork in this. I think that both uh, Mr. Ostender and Ms. Yell did a fantastic job. Uh, even the letter, Timothy Hawkins did a great job on it. The, the colorist, Juliana Fredder, does a fantastic job every time I cover one of her books. Uh, I mean, what more can I say? It, it's I, I love Deadshot. I love this series. I wish we got more of this Deadshot in the Suicide Squad movie. I'm not going to go off on that tangent again, but... I, I do like Deadshot, and this shows that while he is a psychotic, uh, murdering scumbag, if you will, he, he loves his family. Uh, and again, I've mentioned before, I don't know if it's an act, I don't know if he really cares. Especially, and again, it could just be his reputation, but I, I think... Seeing the way that Luke McDonald drew his face there, I, I think it's a magnificent... I don't know, it just it shows that, and I, th I think anyways, and again, it could be your interpretation, but I think this shows that Deadshot does care for his family, and he's a great, I don't want to say a great father, let's not go that far with it, but he does care. And in doing so, he's willing to ki ki track down and kill everyone that was involved with this, even as he says here, his own mother. So, but that's the end of the third issue. Let's go and take a quick break. And we'll be right back with the, the final issue of Deadshot, the miniseries. I don't know, but I have heard. We'll be back after this word. Hi, gang. It's Adam Worth from The Bad Advice Show, and it's official. Critics, fellow podcasters, and fans alike have voted, and The Bad Advice Show has won the 2016 award for Best New Podcast. Detractors called us the most dangerous show in podcasting, but thanks to you, the fans, this little podcast that could has shown them all. To help celebrate, our podcasting colleagues from around the world have sent us in congratulatory messages, like this gem from Aaron the Head Moss of the Head Speaks Network. Yeah, I enjoy listening to the Bad Advice Podcast when I'm going to the bathroom. Because, you know, when in Rome. But wait, there's more. This is Ryan Daly from the Secret Origins Podcast. My ex-wife's divorce attorney calls the Bad Advice Show a gold mine. And still others have sent contributions in to show their reverence. So we're going to record the next episode of the Negative One Podcast in a second, right, Matt? Yeah. All right. Um, did you hear that we got a new podcast on the network? No, I heard that we, we just adopted some bullshit that no one's going to listen to. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's called The Bad Advice Show, and it, it really is shit. Is it a bad, is it a bad, bad advice show show? Bad, bad advice show show. Do I have to? Yes! 
Hello, this is Gene Hendricks from the Two True Freaks Network. Louder and more natural! I would just like to tell everyone that the Bad Advice Show is a wonderful podcast, and everyone should listen to it. Can I have my dog back now? You can find the Bad Advice Show wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. So search for us and subscribe now so that you too can say, I was into the Bad Advice Show before it went mainstream. The Bad Advice Show is a great podcast, as long as you hate yourself. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the Give and Take Library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages, and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary, Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. 
go back to the fun. Message time is over and done. And we're back with issue four of Deadshot, the final issue of the Deadshot miniseries. A wrap up to this great stories I've been talking about. The cover date was dated holiday of 1988. The actual on-sale date was October the 18th of 1988. The cover price, once again, was $1. Editor was Robert Greenberger. The title of this story was called Astride a Grave. Written by Kim Yell and John Ostender. Artist, again, Luke McDonald. Letterer, Timothy Hawkins. And colorist is Juliana Freder. And again, this was reprinted in Deadshot Beginnings, the trade paperback, which came out in 2013. Again, if you haven't read this series, you don't know the actual issues. You might be able to find the actual issues, like on eBay or somewhere pretty cheap. But I don't know now that Deadshot's a movie star, maybe not. I was just looking, and at In Stock Trades, which is InStockTrades.com, you can actually get the Deadshot trade paper. Uh, try that again. You can get the Deadshot Beginnings trade paperback for. $8.69. It looks like normally it's $14.99, but with in-stock trades, they've always got comics at 40% off or more. Uh, they've got the trade paperback. Again, it's 42% off for $8.69. And this has the Deadshot 1 through 4 series that we're talking about currently. It's got Batman $369 and Detective Comics $474. And I'm just looking at my digital scans. I've got a lot of these comics. And it looks like Detective Comics 474 came out. Uh, it was a 1977 comic that was uh, entitled The Deadshot Ricochet. And the comic uh, Batman 369 was from 84. And the story in that one was entitled Target Practice. The cover on this one... Uh, it's a nice cover. It's got a picture of Batman crouching down. The Bat logo is all shot up. We see De uh, Deadshot's wrist magnum in the foreground. Aiming at Batman above Batman says Deadshot is back. It's a good cover. I, I like this cover. I haven't actually read the story yet. I need to sit down and read some of these. But So it's got a couple of early appearances by Deadshot. I'd look and see. I wasn't sure if these were some stories around that time. But no, these are earlier appearances of Deadshot. And it may be, again, I need to read them, but it may be the stories that's referred to in Deadshot's origin in here. I'll to, again, I'll read it and see. But uh, enough about that. That was at InStock Trades. Again, InStock doesn't sponsor this show, but I, I heard of them through the Fire and Water podcast, which they do sponsor. It's a great service that you can get trade paperbacks, like say up to 30, 40, and more percent off. Like I said, this Deadshot's miniseries is 42% uh, off the regular cover price of it. So um, I haven't purchased anything through here yet. But their sister company, uh, Discount Comic Book Service, I have ordered. I did order the first wave of the Rebirth titles at a good discount. So definitely, if you're looking for new books, check out Discount Comic Book Services, and which is dbsc.com or something like that. And for trade paperbacks, check out InStockTrades.com. It's a great place to get uh, graphic novels at a cheaper price than cover. But enough, enough of that. Let's go on with this actual story. The synopsis, once again, from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Philip Shell is taken out of the hospital by his assistant, Andy Haskell. Deadshot holds, him, holds both men responsible for the murder of his son, 
Haskell kills Shell in order to convince Deadshot to spare his life. Deadshot kills Haskell anyways, of course. Meanwhile, Maureen Hers questions Floyd's mother about the death of her son. She suspects that Genevieve Lawton told Floyd to kill his father, and after wounding him, Floyd accidentally killed his brother. When Deadshot interrupts the meeting, he reveals the truth. It was his brother Eddie who tried to kill his father. Floyd tried to stop him in this, resulting in Eddie Lawton's death. Floyd also knows that his mother was behind the kidnapping of his son. She wanted Floyd to finish the job and kill his father. Instead, Floyd shoots her in the back, leaving her a cripple. Maureen and Amanda Waller provide an alibi for Lawton, so he escapes additional criminal charges. The end of the story. And now for my actual thoughts on it. Again, as usual, we start with the cover. Again, this one's uh, another cover with a giant number four signifying the fourth issue. Inside of the four of this one is a uh, sniper scope on, well, I guess it's Ma Lawton. Again, dead shots down the bottom of the page. Uh, aiming his gun at us outside of the four. So I took a quick look back at all four covers. And the first cover uh, for the first uh, issue, I didn't care much so much for the image on the inside of the number. But I enjoyed the dead shot on the outside. The second issue, I enjoyed the interior of the number two art. But dead shot on the, on the foreground looks rushed and incomplete. And as I just talked about, I enjoyed the third I'm enjoying this fourth cover. So out of the four covers, the last two, in my opinion, were the best. Like I said, the first one, the, the inside of the number cover or picture was kind of pixelated a little bit. Uh, it may have been taken from an older picture somewhere, an older art style. And the second one, while the interior number picture was good, Floyd looked halfway done not quite all the way finished but these last two I've enjoyed both the interior number cover picture and the outside picture of Floyd were both well done very very good covers so for cover wise I would have to give the covers a 50% I guess uh, a little more than that because I enjoyed parts of the first two but out of enjoyed the cover overall I, I enjoyed the entire cover on half of the issues so, yeah, it would be a 50% grade on that. Uh, it could have been better, but I got to get a little more than that, though, because, again, I did enjoy parts of the other two covers. So, uh, overall, maybe I'd pull it up to a 75%. Not too bad, not too great. Out of four issues, half of them were fantastic. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about the covers? Let me know. Uh, but moving on to the story itself, the first page... Has the title, Astride a Grave. We get a uh, quote from Samuel Beckett from some a type of book, I guess, or a story called Waiting for Godot. They give birth astride a grave. The light gleams an instant, and then it's night once more. Again, I know Samuel Beckett's I, I first I think I first heard of his name. I've always been a reader, but I read a lot of the classics, if you guess you can say. So I first heard of Samuel Beckett as a writer from uh, the Quantum Leap TV series. Uh, the first season there was an episode where uh, he told someone his name and there was a reference to the Samuel Beckett, the writer. So that's the first place I've heard of Samuel Beckett, actually. Uh, but on to the story. Like I said, this cover, or this first page, it shows Deadshot, his costume, it's on a skeleton. Deadshot's all a skeleton around him is all the people he's killed. 
And I gotta say, I, I really enjoy this page, even though this isn't from the actual story, because you know, Deadshot's not a skeleton in here. I, I think this is a really, really good cover, and it really conveys a meaning to me. I, I mean, it's, it's Deadshot. Again, I could be reading this wrong with the way I read it. Uh, Deadshot is basically considers, considers himself a dead man. He's got he's got a, uh, a death wish, if you will, and these are all the people he's killed or had a hand in. Again, it's a very nice cover. I think it's Luke Bonnell did an awesome job on this. And again, we don't want to leave out the colorist Juliana Freder. She did a fantastic job with coloring on this. So, and then we wanted the story as I talked about. Uh, Marine hers breaks into Ms. Lawton's house. And Miss Lawton threatens the shooter. They have a little talky talk. And I, I talked about all this during the uh, synopsis. I'm not ready to go into detail. I, I will say that I, I do enjoy the artwork, as I've been saying. And as they're talking, uh, again, I'm going to cover this a little bit. I've changed my mind as I'm reading, rereading this. Uh, Ms. Lawton's like, You're a home invader. It's dark out. I'm an old woman. I was frightened. and killed you before I could see who you are. It's a plausible defense. And Marine's like, it's bull. It won't play, and I'll tell you why. First of all, you're an alleged recluse. A murder trial, even a coroner's inquest, would require your presence for testimony. Second of all, the sheriff knows about my visit earlier today. There's no back where I'm staying for him, saying Ms. Lawton changed her mind, says you sent word for me to come visit. Kill me, and you're sure to lose a lot of credibility. And she's like, you're bluffing. Maybe, maybe not. All things considered, I think a little talk is preferable to police and coroners investigating a bloody corpse in your hall. Less publicity, don't you agree? And, uh, so again, I mean, I see ways out of this for Ms. Lon. I mean, she could still kill her and say, well, I didn't know what the night. I didn't call her. She snuck in here. I don't know what she was doing. I didn't realize who it was. Again, so what she was saying to begin with. The only problem would be, again, as Maureen says... It's not so much that she would be arrested or anything for it, but it would bring a spotlight on her, on her family. And as a recluse, someone who wants her privacy, having the police investigate a murder in her house probably wouldn't do her any good. Though with the sheriff in her husband's pocket, they, oh, it's, it's, it's a 50-50 chance that she'd get out of this with staying out of the public eye or not. So uh, I think Maureen did a good job bluffing her way through. And then as they're talking, she invites her in for tea. As they're talking, uh, we cut back to uh, Philip Shell being taken away from the hospital by Andy Haskell. And then uh, Haskell plays the part of the Expedition the News Network, and he fills Shell in on what's happening. He lets him know that Lawton's killed Pantha. He killed Anselm and all his crew except for Wes. Wes escaped with the kid. Uh, Floyd tracked him down. Wes had killed the kid, so Lawton blew Wes apart, piecemeal, with his magnets before he killed him. Says he's going to kill everyone connected with this. And so basically, it catches up the last issue, in case you missed it, of where we're at. And again, I thought it was a nice way of, of again, I don't know why you would miss the third issue of a four-issue miniseries. Go back and buy it, but... If you did, this kind of catches you up on where we're at. I think it was a nice way of doing it. I've seen clumsier ways of doing it, so it was nice. And then we get to the page seven where uh, Haskell pulls over the country road somewhere. And 
Shell, you know, is congratulating Andy on pulling him out of the hospital for saving him. He's like, you know, being a sitting duck, I'd be easy for Ted Deadshot to find. So Andy pulls off to the side of the road, pulls Shell out of the car with his gun, and like he tells him, uh, let me see, Shell's like, are you gone out of your mind? What are you, what are you trying to do, kill me? And uh, Haskell's like, you're a moron, an imbecile. You haven't even bothered to ask me how I knew what happened to the others. And Shell's like, the cops? The cops told you. No, he told me, Deadshot. He came back and told me. He told me I had to get you out of the hospital, get you someplace alone so he'd deal with you. He And then, maybe, he's going to kill me, all because of you. Blam, 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 just shoots Shell dead right there. And he's like, Lawton, I got him. I got for you, see? You don't have to kill Shell now. I did it for you. I made it up, see? Don't kill me, Lawton. I made it for what happened. And uh, we see Deadshot looking at him through a scope, and he's like, you did too much, Andy. Shell's mine to kill. Blam, right between the eyes. So, you know, so uh, Andy Shell, not Shell, Haskell figured if he killed Shell, it would stop Deadshot from killing him. But in his panic, in his, his fear, in doing so, it kind of stopped Deadshot from getting his revenge on him. So Deadshot takes someone out. I, I like the way the scene played out. Uh, the art, again, as I've been saying, the last four issues and the last, what, 19 issues of Suicide Squad. Fantastic artwork. I think that Luke McDonald does an excellent job for this type of book. Uh, again, as I've been saying, I love the shadows in here. Uh, again, Joanna Freder did a fantastic job with the coloring. It's just awesome art in here. And like here at the bottom of page 9, uh, Floyd takes off in uh, Haskell's car and he's pulling out. We just see the two bodies laying there on the ground dead as he leaves them behind. It's great. And then we go back to Ms. Lawton's house where, as I talked about in the synopsis, her and Marines uh, getting some backstory. Well, we're getting uh, Ma Lawton's backstory of it anyway. It's her first side of the story. And she tells him that basically, let me see here. She doesn't want to say anything conclusive because she may be wired for sound in quotes, a bug or something for the sheriff. And she says she won't confirm or deny her speculation, but she's absolutely right about Floyd. Floyd shot his father. Edward heard the gunshot burst in the room where he found me struggling. Where, he, where was he? Where he found. He struggled with Floyd for the gun and went off accidentally. Who knows? She says her husband figured that she's the one that was responsible. So she, by punishing her, he forced her to move into these the, the smaller house in the back with a mere penance, no divorce, so she can't move on and find out her own love life now. And he says otherwise he'll tell the truth about Floyd and she'll lose both her sons. And about this time, Floyd comes in and on page 12, again, the half, the left side of the panel or page is a close-up of Deadshot. Not a close-up, it's just a full shot of Deadshot standing there, his wrist him on his mom. He told her that Eddie's dead. And she said, of course Eddie's dead, Edward's dead. We all know who and why, don't we? And he's like, not your Eddie, Ma. Mine, your grandson. The pervert you hired killed him the way perverts like to do kill little boys. She had my son kidnapped to blackmail me into killing my dad. My dad, only I didn't cooperate. Now everyone involved is dead, except the one, the one who needs killing most. You, dear old Ma. And she's like, it's your own damn fault. If you had just done what you were supposed to have done, none of this would have happened. 
<laughs> the old hag won't even tell the truth now. So let me tell you the real story, hers, about a woman who asks her two sons to murder her husband. And here we get the uh, Floyd side of the story, which we suppose is the true story of what happened. And we find out that she was tired of his infidelities, cruel treatment of her. Uh, she asked her two sons to kill him. Eddie was eager to do so. He tried to warn his dad away. He got locked in the boathouse by Eddie. Uh, he kicked down the door, grabbed the hunting rifle he kept there, and went after him. I couldn't get in. Eddie locked him out of the house. He shimmied up a tree in time to see darling Eddie shoot dad in the library. Took him and fired, aiming for the arm. Tree branch I was on gave away, and the shot went bad. Hit Eddie between the eyes. Beloved Eddie had been a bad boy. Couldn't say so, though. Dragged the great lawn lane through the mud. So he cooked up a crock of lies. Maybe nobody really believed it, but nobody pushed it either. Even Crippled Dad was still a powerful man. But Mommy never gave up. Mommy tried to pull my strings one more time. And so we find out from here that, again, as I talk about in synopsis, that uh, Ms. Lawton wanted the boys to kill their dad because he basically he's a, he's a bad man. Uh, young Eddie went for it. Floyd didn't. Got locked in the boat shed, as I just, just said. He tried to save his dad by just shooting his brother in the arm, but the tree branch gave away, which caused him to actually kill his brother. So we find out that while Floyd did kill his brother, it was an accident. He was trying to save his dad, not kill his dad. So, and again, as we find out in the previous issues, and we've talked about uh, elsewhere, uh, Floyd loved his brother, looked up to him. So being responsible for his brother's death that causes a lot, a lot of his uh, issues he has. And I don't know if I've talked about this before. I know I've read elsewhere that that's part of why he can't never kill Batman. I mean, Floyd's a crack shot. He's dead shot. He, that's who he, what he does. But he kind of looks up to Batman like he does his brother. So it's hard for him to actually pull the trigger on Batman. He always pulls his shots and misses. And that explains why... And this kind of gives a little more backstory on that and explains why it happened. And then Floyd asked uh, Marine, you know, wouldn't it be a good idea if he killed her, killed his mother, be rid of once and for all. And I like this. She says, uh, Marine's like, no, that's exactly what she wants you to do. Don't you see, Floyd? She's the one with the death wish. That's what this is all about. Your streak of fatalism comes from her. Pull the trigger and you lose to her the way she wants you to lose. Floyd thinks about it, and all of a sudden his mom just goes off. She's like, wimp, coward, you gutless, spineless excuse of a man. You disgrace a lot in name. I disown you. Get out of my sight. You're no son of mine. And Floyd just shoots her in the back. And Marine's like, she's alive. I decided you were right. It'd be wrong, killer. So I put a bullet close to her spine. Now she and Dad are a match set. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like the fact that Deadshot's such a good shot that he was able to put a bullet right in his mom's spine and he knew exactly where to shoot her that would cripple her and doesn't kill her. That way, like he says, her and dad's a match set now. So instead of killing her, which would have liked a lot of people would have done, uh, Marine talked him into, well, she didn't talk him into it, but with Marine talking to him, he decided instead of killing her, he would just cripple her. So basically, it's like an eye for an eye type thing. She caused his dad to become a cripple. By getting his brother, whether his dad deserves or not, it's a different story. We weren't there. All we have is her and his word to go on what happened. But she caused his dad to be a crippled, and so he cripples her. 
I think that's I, I like the way that the dichotomy of that works out. But I guess that's what happens when you you know you push one of the deadliest men alive. You, you push him into a corner and you keep you know be ready and soon enough you're going to get what you get. And also like the fact here on page sixteen, Marine. I mean, she's a, a psychiatrist. She's a doctor, but she chases Floyd out and tells him that she'll handle it. And she gets down there and tells him, tells Ms. Lawton that, you know, she came to her house at her request, found her like this, she doesn't know what happened, doesn't know who shot her, and she tells her, you know, one word about Floyd, I guarantee you're arrested in, for yesterday, instigating the death of your own grandson, and all the sort of de- dirty details will come out. You'll end up in a real cage, not a gilded one. <laughs> you can rot in prison for all I care, you think they old bat, but someone should give Floyd a break, and it's going to be me, you understand? And she's just laying on the ground. Yes. So even though I see she's a doctor, psychiatrist, she cares for Floyd. And again, Floyd's had some rough breaks in his life. And as she says here, someone needs to give him a break. Because again, if the police, no matter the circumstances, it wasn't self-defense. So no matter the circumstances, for the most part, if it comes out that he shot his own mother... Well, they put him in jail, but I mean, he's already in Bell Rev, but it's mostly due to his own. Remember, at this point, at this point, it's due to his own. Uh, he wants to be there, his own will, if you will. And so, in the next page, we get the sheriff showing up, and the sheriff's talking to Marine, and he makes mention that there's a report on his desk that Floyd's son was killed. He was kidnapped and murdered. Uh, the man renting the apartment where the boy was found is wearing a toe tag. And she denies him anything about that. And like this, here at the last uh, panel on page 17, the sheriff kind of turns and his head's down. He's like, right, keep yourself available for inquest. You'll be, you'll be wanted to testify, otherwise you can get out of town. Far out of town. Goodbye, Miss Hers. And between, again, I don't know if it was Ostinger or Yell did the, the, the writing on this, between their writing... And Luke's artwork on this, you can tell that, again, as he talked about uh, earlier in this issue or the previous issue, I forget what it was now, uh, he made mention that he would like to, uh, he would like to see Marine in a more uh, unprofessional setting, if you will, or you like the chance to date her, knowing that she, he, he knows, even though she's saying she had nothing to do with it, she knows nothing about it, he knows she knows what happened. She knows he's lying to him about it, and she knows he and he knows that she's doing it to protect Floyd. So this this I really like this panel here on page bottom page seventeen. He just his face is in shadows, but his head's duck ducked downward. He's kind of slumped over, just kind of dejected, and just the, along with the writing, you know, you may want to get out of town, far out of town. Goodbye, Miss Hers. He, he's just very. I don't want to say annoyed. Annoyed is the wrong word, but he's very disappointed in her. I think. I think he expected her to be better. I think. And again, I may be misreading it or not deciphering it quite correctly, but I think he expected more out of her. Is what it is. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And couldn't find out that you know again she's willing to lie for Floyd. I think it tells him that she still has more feelings for Floyd than she's willing to admit. And, again, he's, he's a smart man. 
he's uh he knows that this is a bad situation that he really shouldn't be in the middle of. So he kind of just at this point he just washes her hand of washes his hands of Floyd and Marine and the whole the whole bunch because he knows that nothing's good can gonna come out of it. And then we're back at Bell Rev, and I like this that uh, we we get Amanda talking with uh, Simon Legreve, and they're looking at the police report that there's a dozen dead, his mommy maimed. <laughs> and again, I like Amanda Waller, as I said before, she's an educated black woman, but the fact that she grew up in a poor section of Chicago. When she gets aggravated or she's emotional or a lot's going on, I mean, she can sound very educated if she wants to, but a lot of times you can tell she lets that slip and she slides back in her own, and the, the way she grew up. Look at this. A dozen dead and his mommy maimed. So she kind of, I mean, to me, maybe I'm, it's just my own, uh, prejudice of you or whatever, but she kind of slips back into that that ghetto fight talk at times. And then Legree questions her about what she told the authorities. She admits that she said that Lawton was locked up and it was a copycat killer. And she comments how she she loves being accessory to Lawton's murders in a sarcastic way. And Legree uh, questions, you know, basically she was an accomplice with his murder of El, ja- El Jefe. And Amanda's like, Different situation, Simon. Hefe's death was justified. And I like this here on page 18. The uh, grieves all, no doubt, could not Lawton make the same justification. He's like, you didn't have to cover for Lawton. And Amanda basically says that she wants the squad exposed. And then not only that, but Miss Hers, Marine, would be ex- uh, persecute, prosecuted as an accomplice. So I don't know how much of this was her trying to protect the squad. How much of her, I mean, maybe, again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Uh, I don't know how much of it was. She was just trying, she actually cares for Lawton, for Floyd, and wants to protect him a little bit, too. And I know she cares for Marie and wants to protect her also. But, and again, yes, if if Floyd was a guy that's supposed to be in jail, was found at the site where his mom was murdered, or maimed, and all these other people were killed, even though unofficially the sheriff pretty sure he was there and I mean some people know he was there because he, he went around town in his costume if he got out officially that he was there again people would look more at Bel Rev find out why and it could expose the Suicide Squad so I, I think part of a lot of it was try to protect the Suicide Squad but part of me and maybe she's not going to be a softy in my old age but I've got to wonder if she's actually is trying to protect Floyd also then we get Maureen telling Floyd that uh, Simon says some of the grief, the head shrink, said that uh, if Floyd wants to, they could start their sessions again. And Floyd turns her down, and she's like, "Well, what, we now that we know you know your backstory. Basically, we understand what's happened with your family. We can make some real progress." And I'm going to read this this dialogue that Floyd spouts here. He says, "I could be cured. That's your problem, lady. You believe people could be cured, be made healthy, be made normal, that they can be saved." That they should be saved? But maybe the only way to cure some people is with a bullet between the eyes. People like Wes. Like me. And Floyd goes on to say how basically when he killed his brother he didn't feel anything. He didn't feel guilt, remorse. 
He was the only person in the world that he gave two dams about. And, again, I mean, a lot of this explains Floyd's history and his life. That, and a lot of it comes out here that he blames himself. Well, I mean, of course he blames himself because he killed his brother, who, as we found out earlier, he admired, he looked up to, he loved. And so he's even though he was trying to protect his father and it was an accident... He still blames himself for his brother dying. And yes, he did fire the bullet, but as we found out, if if the story that we were told is true, the tree branch snapped, it was an accident. He was just trying, again, trying to protect his own father from his brother. But he still has that, that guilt, and I know I haven't mentioned much on this show. Uh, if you've listened to my Head Speaks podcast a couple of times, I've talked about my brother passing away uh, many years ago. So I know all, I know where Floyd's coming from. So the story that's and that may be one reason why I like this story because yeah, I didn't read it till after it came out. But again, I'm not going to go into detail here. But I am partly responsible for my brother's death, so I, I definitely feel and I know where Floyd's coming from on this. Sorry, I don't want to bring the show down. It's almost over, but. Uh, <laughs> But that, that's a whole lot of why Floyd is who he is, why he does what he does. And as I've talked about previously, uh, he kind of looks to Batman as his surrogate brother, if you will. And so that's one reason people say that and it's been written elsewhere that Floyd's never... That's why the deadly shot him and he can shoot his mother in the spine, know where to hit her, to cripple her, but he can't take out Batman no matter how many they fought. And that's partly wise because he looks to Batman as his surrogate brother and he's already killed one brother so he, he can't force himself to shoot Batman even like we found out a couple issues ago when he uh, in the Suicide Squad when they went up against the Justice League uh, he had a shot to kill. Batman tells him that if you're going to keep pulling your punch, you know, your shots don't even waste my time. And so we find a little bit here why he's doing that. And we end the issue with, like I said, the two of them arguing, Marine and Deadshot. That, you know, Deadshot gets upset, starts throwing furniture around. And he says that's why he pets up these bull sessions, keeps the wall happy. And he thinks she's getting there, getting somewhere. Uh, but here at the bottom of page 21, he says, What you can't deal with is maybe, just maybe, some people can't be cured. That there really is something that is evil. So all this is a dead end, like you and me are dead end. There's really no place for anything to go. And she's like, well, you know, isn't there, don't you want to take a chance that you might be able to change? And he basically quotes uh, Popeye the Sailor Man. I am what I am. I am what I am. And this is the cards are dealt. Let them lie. And, you know, like the last panel on this page, uh, we see there's no real detail. we got Marine Hers off to the side watching as Floyd walks away. And on Floyd, we have a scope. It just it's like the way I look at it, it's dead shot scope on him because he's never gonna be free of the dead shot persona he has. And as we find out here reading this last couple of pages, he doesn't wanna be. And I mean Marine's willing to work with him, trying to help him out, trying to try to cure him. Cure him, try to help you know, help him sort through what happened. But part of him doesn't wanna I want to say be cured. I'm not quite sure that's the right word I'm looking for. But 
part of him doesn't want to let go because if he lets go of the guilt, he I think he, I think I think he's afraid he may lose the memory of his brother. And especially when you're responsible for the death of a loved one, no matter how indirectly or even though it's not your fault per se, guilt can be a strange bedfellow. I may be mixing up my my phrasing here, but again, as I've talked about, I I do know where Floyd's coming from. I I do feel his pain. Um, and that may be one reason why I kind of, I kind of relate. I, kind of, I don't want to say I relate to Deadshots. It's not an assassin, but I think maybe one reason why I like Deadshots, especially out of the Suicide Squad members, is because, again, even though the circumstances were different, we both feel guilty about our brother's deaths. Um, he, he shot his brother accidentally, of course, and I wasn't able to save my brother from a fire we had. So, again, I, I kind of see myself a little bit in Deadshot in that way that again I didn't become a an assassin killing people but we each handle guilt and death in our own way and that's a really bummer way to take out this issue but that's that's what the series is about it, you know it's it's investigating and, and looking at Floyd's past seeing how how who he is and how he got to where he is now so I guess that's where we're going to end this series at and then we'll go back into the regular uh, Suicide Squad book next month. Uh, next month we'll be looking at two issues of Checkmate and the 20th issue of Suicide Squad, where the series takes back takes us back in at. Um, but that's it for this issue. And again, I don't really have any emails, uh, but I am going to bring out Suicide Note. And we're going to take a look at the Facebook shares and likes and comments. Again, it's been a while since I've had an episode, but let's go ahead and we're going to take a look. We had, a, I say, just a few people. Facebook's not as active as I'd like it to be. Uh, maybe probably maybe my fault. But we had a Desiree Kimmel commented on a photo I shared. I shared here back in March. I shared the uh, the Suicide Squad emojis. And uh, Desiree asked me where they were located. I had a link on the page form for the, for the uh, Suicide Squad emojis. And then we also had uh, Shag Matthews, which is our buddy, the Irredeemable Shag over at the Fire and Water Network, Nick Green, and Gene Hendricks. And that's it. I mean, I for Twitter, I don't have a Twitter feed for this podcast. I do have my Headcast Network Twitter feed. And I usually read those over on Head Speaks, unless someone specifically mentions Task Force X. Due to delays, I think I just read the last batch all over there on the episode I just released for that one. Uh, but go ahead and, like I say, you guys, if you guys like the show, if you're interested, let me know what you think. Again, you can send me an email to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. You can go to our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash taskforcex headcast you can like our page there you can share you can do whatever you want on that leave feedback you can also like say there's no twitter for this actual podcast but you can go to the headcast network's twitter feed you can leave a comment on there and you can uh, if you do do hashtag taskforcex so it's easier for me to find 
In fact, where you talk about the shows on the the social media networks, uh, go ahead and use hash, hashtag Task Force X, and that way I can make it easier when I group these all together when I go looking on the social medias for it. Uh, we also have our Google Plus page. Again, not much activity over there. Uh, I don't use Google Plus much, so partly my fault. I just post new shows. But definitely let me know what you think. You can also go over to iTunes, leave feedback over there. You can rate us. And again, if you leave some ratings over there, their algorithms can help pick our show up and bring it higher up for the searches. I definitely recommend that so more people know about us. Spread the word about Task Force X. And again, I did say it earlier in this episode. I will say it again. I am sorry for the delay. I am working on making sure that that doesn't happen again. Uh, hopefully, I can get my things worked out and these will be coming out on a more regular basis. But I guess that's about it. So, like I said, let me know what you guys think. Did you guys like this episode? What do you guys think about Dead Shots? Uh, leave me some feedback. Let me know. And be sure to check out our other shows. We have Head Speaks, where I talk about comic books, movies, TV shows, anything that catches my interest, mainly geek-wise. Uh, currently, I am talking about the Sword of the Atom specials. And then I'll be moving on to the Power of the Atom series, which eventually ties into this very show. It's several years down the road before I get to that here. And I may do some other comics in between that on the Head Speaks, but eventually Head Speaks will dovetail, tie into this very show you're listening to. I also have my G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, where myself and several co-hosts, it's varying co-hosts, talks about the G.I. Joe uh, T, uh, comic book and TV series from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, currently, the last episode we released, we talked about episode or issue 13 of the comic series and the first episode of the regular show which was the pyramid of darkness and then finally i have the starman manhunter adventure hour where i look at the will payton starman and the uh mark shaw manhunter comics again from the late 80s early 90s yes that is my wheelhouse and currently we're in the middle of the invasion uh, the invasion was a three issue dc crossover in the late 80s they cross over a lot of the titles. All I'm looking at is the three issues Invasion series and the books that it ties into for that show, which is the Starman book, the Manhunter book. I've looked at the Flash and uh, one other. I've looked at the issue of Firestorm and just the books that tie in directly with either Starman or Manhunter. And in a couple of months, uh, actually, this show here will touch upon Invasion. In fact, when I did all my math and I figured things out, I should have tied the two shows a little more closer together. That way they could have crossed over. But I forgot that the Suicide Squad was involved with Invasion. So I didn't time it out properly. So, anyway, it is what it is. But yes, in a couple of months, Suicide Squad will get involved with Invasion. And again, I'm not going to do a full recap or anything. I'm just going to briefly mention Invasion, what happened there, and Suicide Squad's part in it. An issue that tied into it. Uh, for further and more detailed information on the invasion, check out uh, Friends of the Network, Siskoid and Boss's First Strike Invasion podcast, where they cover each issue 
of Invasion and all the cover and all the crossovers one issue at a time. I'm listening to that's a great series. Uh, Cisco and Boss are a couple Canadians that have a Canadian outlook on comics, <laughs> but no, for the most part, they're they're pretty spot on. They're pretty accurate on their observations. So definitely check out their show. And finally, for the last show, I'm going to pimp uh, friend of the network. I've had him on here before. I think I've had him on the show before. I know I've had him on some of my shows. Uh, the Irredeemable Shag. Yes, the Irredeemable Shag from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Uh, he's got a new show. I say new show. It's been going on for about a year now. It's called the JLI Wahahaha Podcast, where he looks at the Just League International comic book series from the, again, late 80s, early 90s. It started at the same time as Suicide Squad did. It dovetailed out of uh, Legends, much like Suicide Squad did. I started my show sooner, so I'm higher up in the number than he is. But he is coming up, too, on this month that you listen to this. He should be releasing episode 13 of his show, where he looks at Justice League International 13. And for those that have been listening to my show for a while, that number may sound familiar. I covered it myself with, I believe it was Hicks from the Waiting for Doom podcast uh, about a year, year and a half ago, where uh, we looked at the Just League Suicide Squad crossover. Well, Shag's going to be covering those two books himself here. Like I said, she's about the same month that you're listening to this. And again, on his Just League International podcast, he has different guest hosts step in and help him out. Uh, well, this issue, or this episode, since it does involve the Suicide Squad, he found a Suicide Squad expert. That guy wasn't able to come on, so he asked me instead. So <laughs> but no, Just League, uh, JLI, Wahaha Podcast, episode 13. I will be guest starring, and me and Shag will be talking a little Justice League slash Suicide Squad. So definitely check that out. It's another great show. But I think that's going to do it. I have enough pimping out of other people's shows. Let's finish up with mine. Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining in. Thank you guys for bearing with me. Thank you for listening. But I guess that's going to be it for this time. Until next month, when we return, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be coming back with uh, Checkmate Issues 7 and 8 and Suicide Squad number 20. That'll do it for this month. Until next time, Squadmates dismissed. listen to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main headcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever is bugging me. Mate, you just out crazy the Joker. <laughs> well, I tried Boomer, but anyways, my home on the internet is at headspeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P-E-A-K-S dot C-O-M. Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. Both Task Force X and Headspeaks are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at headspeaks.com under Headcasts. Please feel free to email me any questions, comments, or concerns to Task 
xx at headspeaks.com. And if you want to record a message, you can send it to me at taskforcex at headspeaks.com, and I'll play it on the air. I'm also on Facebook at taskforcex, and also on Google+, Plus. you can look for taskforcex under people and pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, or Task Force X. I'm just a big fan wanting to spread the Task Force X love with everyone else. Uh, DC Comics can be found on the web at dccomics.com. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that may interest you. Mother. <laughs> well, make sure you join us here next time for another fun-filled podcast from your friendly neighborhood, Brotherhead. In the meantime, I'll see you in the funny pages. Yippee! And here's some promos from some other shows that I mentioned this episode. Uh, check them out and enjoy them. November 4th, 1988, Earth is invaded by an alien alliance composed of several species, including the Dominators, the Kuns, the Tanagarians, and the Durlins, and they want our superheroes. Even though Australia has been decimated, the United Nations response is unequivocal. Drop dead. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover. Issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Melbourne. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast. A new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis will be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate Black Canary Fire Ice Maxwell Lord Oberon Captain Marvel Rocket Red Captain Adam Mr. Miracle Guy Gardner Booster Gold Blue Beetle Nort And many, many more. Justice League International Blahaha Podcast Coming March 2016 as part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it?